three, two, one. Hey, welcome to the hive. Today, I've got the guys from Thrive. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank What's you. up, bro? Why don't you introduce yourselves real quick to my audience? I'm uh, AJ Adamchik, uh, the licensed acupuncturist over at Thrive Spine and Sports Rehab. And uh, Joe Marchitelli, I'm the chiropractor um, at Thrive Spine and Sports Rehab. Now, one thing I'll throw out is because I did go myself and I've always been really skeptical about uh, certain alternative stuff, especially acupuncture. Uh, chiropractic, I've had hit or miss over the years, but I had hip pain and neck pain. You guys literally worked on me one time and it went away. And when you hit me with the acupuncture, I literally felt, it almost felt like my neck was deflating while you hit me with it. I was <laughs> like, this is insane. You came out of the room looking like you were like, you either smoked a, 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 a fat blunt or, <laughs> or something. You were like floating out of, out of there. It was awesome. You were like, I was like, I was high because the pain was gone. I was like, I've been living with this pain for way too long and you literally got rid of it. I haven't been able to find my way back because my schedule is a fucking nightmare, which we were just talking about. But yeah, I, I've always been really skeptical about it. But the results you've gotten from my guys and the results I got even from myself make me a believer. So for me, it's all about you know, the practical reality of stuff. And you guys have a very good grasp of practical reality. So especially with the acupuncture side of it, I, I mean, I've had more exposure with chiropractic than I have acupuncture, but you were explaining to me about your acupuncture and that it comes from a little bit more of a medical background. You know, this is not the back room in a in a health food store with somebody who says they met some person who showed them how to stick somebody. Exactly. <laughs> A little bit taken to the next level of understanding of sports physiology and sports medicine and, and adding in why the needle the needle is just my input into this system and how can we change sports performance and, and pain management for this athlete and that's really where i've taken acupuncture so do you find i mean i'm kind of hopping into the meat and potatoes of it yeah, we'll, we'll let people know about you a little more but a question that i have do you find that the pain management side of it is really the issue because with athletes, the issue I find is that their body mechanics change due to pain. And so when their body mechanics change for a certain amount of time, then their overall structure changes and that structure change then leads to, you know, just a chain reaction of problems. Huge. So pain reduction is a big thing because if you, you're not in pain, you go in a more natural gait, you don't have the tension and the, the weird issues. I would say, yeah. Um, I would say the one thing we do different though is if we just address the pain and don't address the gait or the biomechanical changes, that patient may lose some pain and then it may come back because yep. those biomechanicals, they don't change. So what we try to do is, yes, in the beginning, it's drop the pain so the patient's comfortable, but then it's figure out what changes that, that caused within the system, address those changes and try to get them back to that normal with the way they fire certain muscles, therefore improving performance as a whole. But on a root numbnut athlete perspective, don't push through the pain. Address it. <laughs> yeah, huge yeah. too. But also, go take one step far further. Addressing actually the problem before it even occurs. Actually having the adaptive potential of an athlete a further above and beyond what they could actually be. So actually changing that actual makeup of how that athlete actually can adapt to a problem. Okay, like a Carl or a Sean. Actually, when they're in that ring and they take a step back or a they throw a punch, how can why are they more adaptive if they are a little bit hurt, can they adapt better towards a punch, take a punch better? Can they take a kick better? Can they adapt to a roll better? Are they yeah. not twisting their knee? Those are the type of things how we can change an athlete, and that's really why we're doing what we do. See, I've been doing this a long time, and one of the main issues that I ran into in my career, which 
my negative under I had a negative experience due to a poor understanding of what to do with the body. I had coaches that came from an Asian martial arts background, but it wasn't even that. It was like a pseudo Asian philosophy, but I'll get into that another day. But, you know, it's people saying they're doing Japanese karate and it was like when you're in pain, well, just keep going, keep going. Your body will adapt. Well, what ended up happening was my body just kept breaking down. So I had really bad neck and back and knee and shoulder. I have really bad overuse injuries. I have a lot of problems from those years. And I, and then when real science came in instead of this, you know, weird whatever i don't even Pseudo know what, science yeah shit. it's I, it's the bro science nonsense exactly and you know you can't push through when something's broken it's broken you got to let it heal yeah. and if your body's not supporting itself which is leading to injuries you've got to retrain your body i have dr mike mike santa maria came in here too he's a physical therapist and he's all big on posture 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 and he was really big for me at times where i was having issues with my back and he was just like helping me out with posture quite a bit and you guys go you take it to another step where he's more posture and a little bit more um, like physical manipulation where you guys got, you know, the a little bit more of a holistic approach to it where you have cupping and the acupuncture and then chiropractic and a lot of different tools. And then you have all the recovery stuff like you've got the boots and we're talking about trying to get you guys into a cryo situation and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the idea that pushing through, it's going to make you stronger or heal is like, just the worst idea to sabotage your career so bad i would say yes and there are times that we allow our patients or athletes to push through but like i feel like let the healthcare practitioners that see it on a daily basis determine what you can yes. and cannot push through and then if we decide like yeah let's take a little break let's take a little break if we're like okay you could push through it but push through it at 50 percent or push through it but the whole, like, ah, it's all right, rub some dirt on it, keep going. Yeah. My grandfather was a backfield coach for the Giants back in the <clears> 60s. And his saying used to be all the time when guys would be like, hey, coach, you know, I'm hurt. And he's like, are you in pain or are you hurt? There's a difference. Being in pain is one thing. Being hurt's another. Mm-hmm. And you do need someone professional to kind of guide you through that. Exactly. I mean, it's like if it's broke, you need to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So how did you guys get into this? How Actually, how did you two meet up and – Decide that you want to go into business together. So originally, take it back, I guess, you know, 2008. Um, I actually transferred to TCNJ. Joe is already there. I'm actually older than Joe. I'm two years older than Joe. Um, Saturday, I'm three years older. Yeah. <laughs> He's old. Uh, but so, everyone thinks I'm older. But they call me the grandpa. They called me grandpa. I transferred in. Um, oh, we did call you grandpa. Or pop or whatever. I don't know. So yeah. I transferred into TCNJ and... I had been a pretty well, you know, big prospect with baseball. I had Tommy John surgery at a young age. And I kind of just was like, you know, I'm going to take the education. I'll go try out for the baseball team at TCNJ as, after I tried, uh, tried, you know, pimming it on out of some baseball teams there here in different places. So I transferred in there. Me and Joe ended up both being uh, bullpen pitchers together, 8-9 closer role type thing, set up closer. And we were in the bullpen every day together. We'd you know, literally work on each other's legs, stretch each other, you know, roll each other's backs out, arms out, you know, okay, here, here's the Advil, here's this, you know, we were taking care of each other. And I was like, I knew I was already becoming an acupuncturist and he wanted to either be an ortho or a chiro. And my father was a chiro. So I always was talking to him about chiropractic, chiropractic, chiropractic. And I was like, dude, if you ever do that, like, let's totally team up, you know, it'd be a great idea. And then after college, we were both working other places and finally I was just like, I kept contacting him like, Hey, what's your situation? What's your situation? 
and I think we both got to the point where like you know what we both saw it in each other we wanted something a lot more and we each saw that each within each other when we were at college together did you both did you feel that you were both entrepreneurs early on did you feel that uh, you always wanted to have totally, your own shop so work yeah, for somebody else? 100%. Oh, was, in school, they ask you that question. Yeah. They raise question. your hand if you want to work for somebody. Raise your hand if you want to own your own. Like, I came in there day one, and I, I was, like, telling guys. I was like, I'm just, I'm here to learn this so I can own my own business. I yeah. Every time I've ever worked for someone else, I always felt every dollar they paid me was, an, was I was losing money. Yeah, yeah. No, I never okay. felt, I, yeah. I'm like, okay, you've got me locked into these hours to make this much, but what I could do with those hours and what yeah, exactly. I can make with those hours is something different. And it's not just the money. It's what you can do with your time. It's, you feel like they're holding you back. Yes, and that's kind of absolutely. where we felt at our last spots. Like we felt like we were caged in Yep. and then we weren't given any ability to expand and it was never going to get that far, you know, working for other people. And it was just got to the point where we just kind of looked at each other and I mean, so we have to roll the dice. no better words. Yeah. It was like, we, we said, fuck it. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah. literally each emptied our bank accounts it said, let's do it. Hey, man, I was 24 years old when I opened up my first school. I took out a $10,000 bank loan with, like, PNC Bank, I think it was at the time. I took out a $10,000 loan for five years, and I got a place across the highway. It was a second floor in a building behind a building. No visibility, no nothing. And, again, I just said, fuck it. I bought mats, put my down payment down, and I opened up. Mm-hmm. And it's 20 years later. There you, you know. go. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, um... So then that answer to the second part of that was, so AJ talked about his a little bit. He had Tommy John when he was very young. AJ was, so he's a little modest about it, but at one point as a, like a freshman in high school, he was one of the top pitchers in the state of New Jersey as a freshman. So he was coming out, he threw hard. I went into high school, the ability to play baseball, I was, I was good, but I didn't really grow into who I was until I started to get a little older. And then, you know, as a younger player, sophomore, I started playing varsity baseball. I was coming up through there. I had an opportunity to be big, and I got in a collision and blew out my knee. So then I lost pretty much my whole junior year, came back out my senior year, and then I started to turn into, like, the ball player that I could when I went to college. And that's when we kind of, like, linked up. And I don't know. To be honest, you know, those three years, we got the two years we got to play together and then the rest of my, my career there, I felt like learning the things, being next to him, learning – about yourself like you learn to just trust yourself yeah i think that's i would say that that's what baseball taught us like to trust ourselves huge like just being and part of a team i you know i was i was listening to uh i was listening to um being part of a team and and i was i was watching the espies the other night and i want to say his last name's cook and he he received the um tillman award uh the the military guy yeah Uh, and so this guy he he has a thing called uh, rubicon and he literally around the world he sets up you know goes into missions puerto rico harvey all these all around the world i want to say they've they grew from like literally one person him to i said they i want to say they they've had over like eighty-five thousand people within their infrastructure of working for them of doing what they do and this guy's literally he was a lineman at wisconsin um and he gave up going to become a pro football player he was on the verge of being a pro he's kind of like made probably he was probably gonna get a chance but he decided to enlist in the military yeah and uh what he was talking about is that being part of a a team obviously he was part of wisconsin badgers football team a big d1 football team versus and then part of uh big infantry in the military you know his big uh battalion or whatever you want to call it and he was saying that just the part of that you don't you learn to not look at things like black, white, 
yellow, you start looking at, you know, the red and white, like the badgers, the, the camouflage of your uniform, the team of what you're doing. And what he was saying was just unbelievable of how, like, you know what I mean? Him being a team, it's like, it's the same thing. We're in our office. It's the exact same thing. But, and it's kind of funny though. You're speaking to something I've been speaking to a lot. And it's funny when I had, when I had my son, I was in too much of a chaotic point to understand evolution of things. But then over time, I got into this thing where I just started to see something. One thing I'm finding that the team thing is super important at a particular point in your life. Because as we come out of, you know, adolescence and then we're going into, oh, the selfie time. Got to do the selfie. It's, it's, you have to do it. It's, you know, it's, it's 2018. Got to get him too. If, if there's no selfie, did it actually happen? Nope. <laughs> but so when you're coming out, so say you come out of high school and you go into college, you are growing to be, you, you technically are a man because you're 18, but you're not really a man. And you still need that leadership that a coach has where a coach still has, you know, a, 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 a parenting kind of feel for you but when it's over you have to evolve you have to become your own man and that's where i find almost like going from amateur to professional is as an amateur you're part of a team where you're still being guided by a heavier hand but then when you become a pro you have to be guided by somebody that's going to be your partner in the process and your teammates become that much more important because your relationships are now mature and the coach is a way different position with professional adults than it is with those cuss people and that's why i find guys that try and run their their rooms with adults like it's a high school wrestling room have trouble because they're not allowed to be themselves enough they're not allowed to mature enough and it's exactly the process you're talking about you go through sports you go through you know you go through high school collegiate sports then you go into working situation that's probably mimicking the same kind of same kind of environment but the two of you are then getting to that point where you're like you know what i need to lead my own life I don't need my handheld so heavily, and now it's time to go do my thing. And then you guys have this mature relationship as adults now where you can take all that experience and you can employ it in your business and you can do the things you do. And it's funny. it's this, You guys are in, you know, in the sports recovery business. It's the same thing. My tattoo artist and I had the same conversation. My barber had the same conversation. My lawyer had the same. Every person that's been on this podcast, we've had the same conversation. It's, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. It's all the same cycle if you're doing it well. And everyone I bring on is in a successful position. And they all, it's, it's all passion projects. And it's funny. We all follow the same cycle. In, in Zen, they have a saying. They say, if you learn to do one thing well, you now have the ability to do everything well. And it's really funny how I just keep finding the same pattern over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And it's funny. And I was talking this with Jeff from New Jersey Nutrition. The group of us that have kind of been floating around working with all these people, we all are same stories, same mindsets, different places in the story because of our age and time in and whatever. But we're all in the same cycle, similar mentalities, very giving. Um, we really take care of our people. We're very passionate about what we do. We're none of us are takers. I don't think anybody between Teamwork. between Thrive, New Jersey Nutrition, Bulldog, us here at Killer Beat. We're all we give a lot. Like yeah. we do a lot for our guys, and we get a lot in return because we're backing the right horses too. Yeah, but we get a lot because people want to give to us, not because we want to take from them. Yes, and that's yes. that's the most important thing. Like when we we treat every single day, it's not about, and I'm sure you are this way with the people you train here. It it comes down to just want to give them what they're looking for. Like they want to feel better. They want to hang out with their grandkids. They want yeah. to do better. If you can give them what they want, your life will start to give you back all Absolutely. the things you want. Maybe not directly from that one person, but 
over time, everything starts to work its way back. It's If you're not employing a mutually beneficial trade, you can't survive. You can't overgive and you can't overtake. Like You have to find that balance where it's like, I'm giving you what you need. And if you're picking the right people too, there's that statement they say, you know, the customer's always right. I don't believe that. I believe the right customer's always right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people are just not meant to be in your business. Yeah. And you that's... Know? And you know we've had patients too that like, sometimes they just they're not a right fit. Yeah, I've asked people to go train somewhere else. I've flat out done it over the years. Don't care. I'm like you. Me trying to make you happy is making everyone else on the mat miserable. And they're and like the group's more important than you right now. So I hate to have to say go, but I need you to go. <laughs> you gotta go. Yeah, because you're driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally Carl was that guy. Really? I'm really? not kidding. Carl was that guy. I tell his story. I've told it probably a hundred times by now. Um, yeah, I, we hated Carl in the beginning. Carl, Carl didn't like me, and I didn't like Carl. But wow. we had to come to Jesus after a fight where he just quit on a fight. And I was like, look, I've been pushing you because I never wanted to see this happen. I locked him in the gym. I whooped his ass one day. I made him like just do conditioning until he had nothing left. And I said, you good? And he's like, not really. I was like, all right, you got five minutes. And then I made him do it all over again. And I was like, you, still, you good? He goes, all right, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. All right, good. Don't ever quit again because this is the worst you're ever going to feel. And then we just started to click a little bit, and then we became, you know, salt and pepper at this point. <laughs> it's just, but, but I hated him. Like, he hated me. I hated him. We just didn't click. We both, and because we were both dismissive of, dismissive of each other off the bat. But then in time, when we started to get to know each other, we realized we had a lot more in common than not. So sometimes you got to give people more of a chance, and that's where I mean I don't if I if I don't like someone's attitude off the bat, I'm not gonna be like get out of here. You know you got to give them time, but if it's if it doesn't change, you know you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, got to give everybody an opportunity because sometimes it's just a conflict of personalities in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, you got to learn yeah. to work with people. You yeah, gotta learn. You must deal with skeptics a lot. Uh, too much. Every day. Every yeah. day. I get it a lot more than him. I just yeah. I just laugh. Yeah. I'm like, what are you skeptical of? I'm standing right here. Yeah. I'm a real person. I'm just yeah. like, talk to all the results we get. That's uh, what I say. I just say, you know what? I let those results speak for themselves, and that's yeah. it. I really don't. I've got, we've both, I think, gotten to the point, especially myself, I've been in the business for about six, seven years now. And it's gotten to the point where it just, you know, the results speak for themselves. I don't have to really keep explaining myself over and over and over. You know, when I was getting out of school and I was still trying to learn and still find my mentors and still find my path and find my way you know i was always trying to explain myself and and justify what i do and justify yeah. why i do what i do and you know it's gotten past that it's really well just, you get confidence from the results too yeah and you guys sunk everything you have into it and you made something out of it so you can walk with a little bit of a swagger you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it's like you you prove your value so why not i mean I, shit today's so much if you are what I love about 2018 and beyond is that your results are, are so much you're there's so much more access to results when I started my business in 1998 you know the only advertising you did was a phone book ad and flyers they stand in front of food town and hand flyers out so we all it was like what could you say to convince somebody that you were the shit you know like uh-huh. I'm the real deal how do I convince them with you know, a four inch by four inch ad in the phone book or a weird flyer or whatever. And it was a lot of bro science, a lot of nonsense. But now social media, I mean, you could tell your story every which way possible every day. Well, the best part is when other people tell it for you. Yeah. That's the part that helps most is like patients and athletes and yeah. you like it's they tell other people what you yeah. do. Like that's, 
Okay, well, if they helped him, then they Well, look help at me. new media. I mean, we're sitting here on a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I literally have a couple thousand people download a podcast from a Jim in Oakhurst. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's wild the amount of access to information we have now mm-hmm. and what we can put out there. And that's why if you're good at what you do, you have no excuse anymore. If you're good, you don't have to be arrogant about it. You have to have the audacity to get it out there. You have to have humility. You don't. You don't want to be a total dick about your results. Yeah. But at the same time, you know you have more opportunity now than any other time in history to let the world know what your results are, and you can, you know, you can drill your data down to make sure it's the right people looking at it. I mean, there's just so many tools nowadays, which is great. So that's why, again, I say if you're good at what you do, there's no, ex- there's no excuses anymore. You got to keep getting it out there. That's the. It's just that time. So, what do you guys have? Uh, how many how many how many competitive athletes do you have from combat sports right now? Do you have combat a, sports? You have a lot from what I see. I mean you train pretty much the Eight? the cream of the crop there's with There's probably like a good, you know, handful. Any from any place there's probably like five to ten coming in on a regular yeah. basis. Uh, we've yeah. started to work our way into other sport realms too, like bodybuilding and bikini fitness. Yeah. Um baseball. Water the, running. It the thing about you training the athletes for us like Carl speaks very highly Phil speaks very highly I speak very highly because you've dealt with some of the high level over usage issues that we have but then now I have some of my what we call the civilian students yeah, are now like civilian. hey <laughs> hey you know my neck's killing me can I, is this kind of place for me too and then and I'm always like if they can get results for people that are smashing themselves all the time they're going to be able to get results for you come on like, why not? And that's why, you know, I have a couple of people from here started checking you guys out. And Sean, who's had a neck injury forever, he went to you guys and he's already, he's finally like, okay, I feel, it's not even so much the, he's feeling better, but the lack of anxiety due to it, because he feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel now, which he didn't feel forever. Like, he's like, no matter what he did, he just felt like he was broken and it's just never going to be fixed. And now he's like, wait a minute, I'm actually progressively getting better. I believe in what they're saying. I understand what they're saying. So well, however you guys are communicating, it makes sense. And what's even better about it, he's able to continue training during the whole process, you know. Yeah, he comes great. in and he tells me, he says, hey, they said, do me a favor, watch out for this or that. And yeah. so, you know, we work around it. And that's why it's important to, you can't, I can't be the arrogant dick who's like, who cares what Thrive says? You got to do this today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just being, you're just being intellectually lazy at that point when you do that. You have to listen. As a coach, you have to yeah. listen. And even you guys get stuck in positions where it's like, you know, I really wouldn't want you to do it, but you're getting paid to do this thing in two weeks, so we're going to do the best we can. 100%. You know, yeah, that's competitive sports. That's just, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, that's no. the thing, too. Like, everyone, I think we sympathize with them more is because we did it. Yeah, you're right. Him and I played college baseball yeah. at points where, like, we couldn't feel our arms. And you, like, and we you, had to go and pitch. You, and if you had surgery from I that kind surgeries of. surgeries on my arm. Yeah. Yeah, there were days him and I looked at each other and, you know, coach would be like, you guys ready? And I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and I'm like, I'm not, but what do you got in that bag? So we yeah. can, yeah. like, yeah. you know, let's let's just do it, and we'll figure it out afterwards. Yeah. So that's why we do tend to, you know, as medical professionals, professionals, we have to tell you what the medical opinion is, and then we'll tell you as an athlete, like, what do we think you can get away just with? how far you can push it without having debilitating injury for the rest for of your days. It's not always, and it's not always these professional athletes. I mean, we have as young as high school girls lacrosse team players, you know what I mean, that are, or even 
youth tennis players. Or the are, really are, motivated that, dad who plays softball on Sunday. Exactly, that <laughs> wants to still be out there. That's not me, by and, the way. And, and, that was my father. I don't play softball. Our big thing is that we've kind of gotten to the point where like, we don't tell anyone to just stop. You yeah. know, it, it, we put that in your own in your hands to stop, and you know we try to treat around it. And then obviously, if we can't get those results quick enough while that person's still training, while that still person's still playing, you know we start seeing okay, well maybe this is really there is that serious injury there that we have to maybe slow it down or change something up. But we try not to ever cut off sport or training or sport, you know, of that athlete or anything. Like I think that the thing that we tell everybody is. A lot of doctors out there can get you to feel better by telling you not to do the things that hurt, and that's it. Like, oh, well, you you know, it hurts when I play basketball. All right, you just can't play basketball anymore. Him and I, we're failures if we can't get you back to doing the thing you wanted to do because the goal isn't just to get you out of pain. The goal is to get you back enjoying your life, whether that's, you know, going for walks with your grandkids or, you know, going five rounds in the octagon. Like, that's what's your goal. We'll meet that goal, not... Okay, we'll just get you out of pain at whatever it takes to remove from your life. I'm a big believer in functional and practical. And I mean, I've had doctors, I've been to a lot of doctors, orthopedic surgeons that have opened me up and shot me up and done a lot of things that I pay for today. And I really wish the mindset was a little different 10 years ago than it is today, where the guys are benefiting from, you know, a much more practical approach, keep you in the game, keep you moving. Um, not running straight to getting the cortisone shots and all that. I mean, I have I have a bicep tendon in my right arm that's pretty much destroyed because they shot me up with too many cortisone shots. I have neck issues from it. I actually had this is a horror story for me. It's crazy Russian in Shrewsbury. My insurance sent me to to get a cortisone shot in my neck. They didn't realize I had a cracked vertebrae in my neck. They thought I was just having inflammation issues, so they give me this cortisone shot. And the guy puts the needle in and he hits something. And it caused my muscle to lock up, and I bent the needle, and they had to, like, hook it out of my neck. The guy's like, don't move. I'm like, why? He's like, I think you broke the needle. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? He goes, I don't know. I got to try and pull it out. And I'm like, this hurts a lot. This hurts a lot. Can you get this out? And he's, like, twisting and pulling. pliers to get it out? Uh, He was, like, like, twisting it out, and it, like, tore a chunk in me. Oh, my God. That was the first that yeah. that was horrible i it, that took me like six months to recover because like he screwed the muscle up so bad from going in i actually think he hit the vertebrae with the fucking needle is what it was because he didn't know what the hell he was doing oh my God. But i've had i mean they took they took all the cartilage out of my knee they don't even do that anymore now yeah. that now unless you absolutely have to get it out because like you need to, to like compete on sunday they they don't even take it out anymore yeah a lot of things have changed yeah they're going more um conservative in the way they treat now too like there's certain surgeries they just don't even recommend anymore yep my dad snaps to a tendon and they put a screw in his leg and they they uh put a so they put a wire through the tendon a screw in the leg and then they wrapped it around they left the screw in and they said they don't even do that anymore they like attach it a different way and stuff so my dad's walking around with this metal nub like poking out of his knee for the rest of his oh. days oh, yeah my uncle my family's all athletes. My father was a. My father played at Notre Dame. My father was drafted by the Giants. My uncle Harry, uh, he played um, AAA ball for the Yankees. He played uh, football at Penn State. He collapsed his knee playing football at Penn State, and he had the first knee replacement in the United States. And then he had 18 more before he died. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. That's the first one. Yeah, we had a lady today in three hips. Uh, I'm looking at him like, where's your third leg? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> three hips. Oh my God, my my judo instructor had double hip replacement three times too. They do, but his they have the titanium one and they coat it in the ceramic coating. And they have to keep coating the ceramic on him because he mm-hmm. keeps smashing it. It keeps breaking. Yeah, because yep. he keeps doing judo. Sixty years old, still doing judo. Yeah, but that's oh what he wants God. to do. Yeah, so absolutely. Maybe that should have been like, hey, you know what? This guy's going to be using it a lot. Maybe, maybe we don't do another this. material. Yeah. Maybe we do something else because now they're like, we don't want to have to pull all this out. Yeah. Because to oh, pull it out. A mess at that oh, point, my yeah. God. It's crazy. But how are you guys doing on time? Oh, good. Yeah, we got a couple ten, minutes. Ten minutes. Five minutes. Five, ten minutes. All right. Start wrapping it up. I got these guys to sneak in on their, their lunch break, and uh, we got to get them out a little bit quicker than we normally would. So, first time coming up here to Killer B. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. a cool little spot. I like Thank it. You. you get to see where the guys train, yeah. you know, which is awesome. And everything. We got to see Carl for the first time in what seems like six months. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. He, he's evasive. So, what's going on with Carl? He's you just know, hiding. What's, what's going on with him? <sighs> so, get him a fight or what? The, the, the hard truth about it is, is that he lost to a guy that the UFC really thought he was going to beat, and they really wanted him to beat, and it didn't work that way. So they're a little, they're a little perturbed. So back a little bit. they're making them take a couple steps back. They're gonna make them, you know, who knows what the. But the, here's the whole bullshit about it. That's what they're gonna say. And don't peg me as like hating on the UFC either. It's the nature of the beast. I understand. They had plans. They didn't work out. They don't know what to do. They're trying to adjust. So, but the problem ends up being here is they say, okay, you gotta take a step back. So they're gonna bring them down, maybe. A little bit lesser of a, a less experienced of an opponent, and maybe uh, and who knows what show they could send to freaking China. You never know. They might go to Moscow, whatever. And they're looking probably October, November is what they're saying. But I guarantee you, somebody's going to get hurt on a card, and they're going to be scrambling for a 185er, and all that hate's going to go out the window, and they're going to be like, "Hey, can you be ready in like three days?" And if Carl can say yes, he'll get the damn fight. So, is, is so Carl, st- Carl staying ready right now? Carl is so ready right now. Carl could have fought a week after Brazil. I mean, he was he's. Carl's a different character. He, he he carries his anger internally. Like, you wouldn't understand if you don't know him well. Right now, he's very upset after Brazil. I, I uh, made a couple adjustments in his game. We talked through some things, like what we got to do. He's been doing them. His weight's down. He's training like a madman. He looks Not, good. He yeah, looks he looks good. great. He looks awesome. he, he's, he's walking around 206. He's never walked around lighter than 220. Yeah. He's walking around at 206 because he wants a call. He's like, he'll fight anybody. He'll fight the champ tomorrow. He'd fight Romero tomorrow. He doesn't care. Let Romero do all the drugs he wants and not cut weight. Carl still fight him. He doesn't care. Carl's like, I want to fight. So mm-hmm. Carl in this mode is a dangerous human being. So if we have to wait till November, we wait. If it comes up earlier, comes up earlier, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. But he should fight. By Thanksgiving, we'll fight. Nice. So it just sucks because in 2017, fought four times. And then 2018, we're going to fight twice. Just sucks. But is what it is. Nature of the beast. So, But we've got so many guys with fights coming up. Yeah. And he's cornering with me with guys. And he, like, he's working with Rex Harris right now, who's got his PFL. He was just down, just did corner him in Washington. They've been going back and forth training a lot. Then Corey Anderson, you know, he just went on short notice and fought in Germany. Awesome. Those two spar all the time together. So having these high-level guys that are staying active, he needs to stay in shape because he needs to be valuable to these guys. And that's the one thing for the – I can say in 20 years of doing this, I don't know if I've ever seen an organic group grow like this. Like it just organically happened. Like nobody wants anything except the effort. 
and they all respect each other. And it's just this this cycle of hammers right now that just keep working each other. I mean, Rex Harris travels three hours each way to come train. Does not give a shit. He travels. Corey Anderson is, you know, he was on a hunting trip, came back. Uh, he got married, went away, came back for a day, hopped on a plane, went to Brazil, came back, hung out with his wife a little bit, went on another trip. Like, he's a busy dude, but he, like figures out how to show up for training how to show up for the fights these guys just really take care of each other and it's a beautiful thing to see so as a coach it's it's a dream scenario because usually you have to beg people to come in these guys are like knocking on the door they're waiting for me it's It's great uh, our our other client Sajara um, she was saying that because she has a couple friends that are in that same weight class going into camp yeah that she's going to almost do like a mock camp because she's going to stay ready in case someone gets hurt and also too just because she needs to get her friends ready it's yeah. like she might as well be doing the same thing, too, for herself. And that's the mature team thing when these guys realize. So I, my, my joke's always, this is when, Saturday when the gym's not busy, it's because every fighter woke up and said, I'm really tired. I'm just going to sleep in. The other guys got it. But they all say the same thing. Oh, everybody else will be there. So they'll, they'll be good. They don't need me. Everybody says they don't need me and nobody shows up. And the one guy with the fight is standing there going, where the fuck is everybody? It happens so many times, but this particular group, it doesn't. These guys, they don't even have to self-police at this point. They want to get the work in, which is great. Mm-hmm. And that's why everybody's doing so well. That's yeah, why we're having so much it's success. It's crazy this group around here is just everyone's rising to the top. The, the cream's rising, you know, there's, to the top. It's there's awful. something in the water around here. I don't know what it is. Like, there's so many fighters in the state of New Jersey. I remember, this is 10 years ago, I remember asking the athletic commission, I was like, how many fighters do you have uh, applications for? And they were like, this year we have 10,000 registered fighters, amateur and professional in the state of New Jersey. It's like, holy shit. That's a lot of people that are fighting in the state of New Jersey. Yeah. But we have a really strong wrestling culture, and that's why MMA has taken off so well. That's true. And a lot of those wrestlers are starting to come over now. I'm noticing that. They always have, though. I mean, Frankie went. I mean, what what would you do? Like, Frank Yeager, what's he going to do after yeah, college? exactly. You know? That was Kurt Pellegrino, same thing. Frank Yeager, same thing. But now, though, those guys went from wrestling into this. Now I've got guys that wrestling was like the hobby in high school because they wanted to do MMA. It wasn't like they wanted to be wrestlers and then fell into MMA. Now they're 12 years old going, hey, can I go to an MMA school? Can I train MMA? And they're saying, no, you got to wrestle first almost. And people are telling them to go wrestle. Or they wrestle because they know, because they they see the success of wrestlers. And they're like, well, I'm going to wrestle in high school and I'm going to train jujitsu and I'm going to get kickboxing or boxing or whatever. And, you know, the only issue is you got a lot of guys that watch YouTube and they think that's all you got to do is watch YouTube. You wrestle a little bit, box a little bit, and you can do this. You know, we have guys come in all the time. And they're like, "Oh, I wanna, I wanna fight." And then after a couple of weeks, we're like, "I just want to take class because <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this." I think I just want to take class. They I want to fight. They take uh, one punch in the face, and they're like, "Nope, nope." Well, out. we're 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 different too because we're a heavy striking school. Yeah, MMA doesn't have too many places that. It's funny. I have a, a, a student. He's a cop, and all of his fellow cops. He's telling them, "Hey, you should go to Killer B and train with me." And they were like, "Oh, um, we just signed up jujitsu because you know most of the fights go to the ground." And he was like, "Look, motherfuckers, they all start on their feet. They all start on their feet. Like some may go to the ground, but you got to start on your feet." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "That's good. I like that because that's been jujitsu's big push. It's like, oh, eighty percent of the fights go to the ground." I'm like, "Yeah, but we do start on our feet, so you got to get it." But we start on our feet. We're heavy striking school here. And a lot of guys don't get into heavy striking programs. They come through, and they get chewed up just drilling. 
like I mean I had one guy come in here two weeks ago and he was he's a high level jujitsu guy and he was thinking he can box and kickbox and he did a couple rounds of drills with Carl and he literally couldn't train for a week because he couldn't walk and we weren't even beating him up like I I'm like why are you hurting I'm like I don't understand like Carl's really taking it easy it's just it's different yeah, but it's I heard, different. I heard nobody wants to. Yeah. You don't want Carl to hit. I don't you. think you don't want Carl hitting you at all. I'm one of the only guys that doesn't mind. Dude, that you, kick that he, the guy in Brazil, that first kick he the had, one, the one kick that left you, a foot well. Just, my face, my eyes were like what? That the guy's the, like legs started bleeding. I think that might be one of the the single hardest kick thrown this year. I mean that was insane. Well, it literally put that guy and said, "I have to take this thing to the ground. If I don't, I'm losing." He knew, he but he didn't kick. know how real it was he, he was like he came into that going i'm just gonna take this guy down i'm not fucking around on my feet and then when carl hit him he was like oh shit i really need to take him down it, and then and that's yeah carl carl got excited he hit him and was like oh i got him and then over over committed on a punch and i mean caesar didn't even have to take him down he just dropped levels and kind of ran into him and mm-hmm. yeah different speeds man because that was jiu-jitsu that's the hardest part he's a world-class jiu-jitsu guy you know that's I mean, yeah, the guy's got 15 fights in the UFC, won the Ultimate world, Fighters, third-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. I mean, you can't, you can't get upset about that when you're where Carl's at. I mean, it is what it is. But the one thing with that, my, just on, from a technical perspective, something guys have to understand like, is it's the speed difference matters. And you would think Carl being super fast is an advantage. But the problem is a guy like Cesar Fuea, he's really slow and methodical, and he wants you to explode. The more you go, the harder you go, the faster you go, he inches in. He slows you down. He tries to bring you down to his speed. So to beat him, you actually have to go at his pace. Because if you slow down, he does less. The faster you go, the more he takes. Mm. So you have to slow it down and kind of be more patient with him. And, I mean, Carl got choked. There was like nine seconds left in a round. I wanted to kill myself. But if he slowed the pace down, could have pulled the round out and would have gone back up to his feet, like, that was just a technical thing. I was like, shit. Just couldn't get out of that round. But you see a lot of guys that are really good explosive wrestlers, and they go against a plotting-type stand-up guy that's really rooted. They can't get takedowns, and they're not understanding why. It's because they're a couple moves ahead of the guy, and it's not matching up the way they're used to it. So the speed and the matching of it really matters, and that's just like how you match. That's why styles make fights. So that's why when the matchmaker's kind of giving a shit, I'm like, yo, Carl and Caesar are just a bad matchup. Caesar, I said Caesar does three things that Carl has trouble with. Carl does one thing that Caesar has trouble with. Like Carl hits really hard, and Caesar has no chin. But Caesar can drop levels. He can do this. His pace is off. He's lefty. Like there was a lot of things. So it was definitely a really hard challenge. Yeah, that was the first lefty he ever fought. I think. I don't remember him fighting another lefty. No, the first lefty, at least as a pro at high level. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and that's that changes it up too. Oh yeah. So. Experience, you got experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. In everything we do, it's all about experience. The more you do it, the better you are. All right, I've held you guys here. I know you got to get back to work. So, here's what we got to do you got to tell everybody where they can find you. Give the shout out. So, uh, you can find us at Thrive Spine Sports Rehab in Spring Lake, New Jersey, um, 600 Warren Ave. Um, You know, anything you really need when it comes to sports medicine pain management or just plain old recovery we do a lot of stuff for just recovery and keep keep people doing what they want to do how do they find you on um on social social it's thrive spine sports rehab okay whether it's facebook or instagram it's just our name and your website website thrive spine sports rehab.com nice um everything's pretty simple straightforward whatever our name is yeah i have and i have uh links on the hivecast 
and we tag you guys on a lot of stuff we do too because uh yeah a lot of our guys are going there so i really do appreciate you guys coming out today awesome. let people know a little bit what's going on thank you for when you guys us, have bro. more time come back yeah, a little bit more definitely. the one thing i got questions for you on like the cupping thing because yeah, yeah. i hear pros and cons on we that definitely like one day just come back and do just that you know the one i really want to do though is i want to get maria from bulldog you guys get mike my other physical therapist uh get jeff from new jersey nutrition and i want to have a long conversation about weight cutting and weight management and the negative effects that weight cutting has on athletes and performance because a lot of these guys are killing themselves to make weight in the improper way. And we need some professional opinions about this instead of a bunch of bros sitting around going, yo, do this and do that and, and fuck up your sweat. And don't eat. Yeah. And kill your organs and yeah. get kidney stones and liver problems. I'm sure so. Jeff had a nice conversation with you about that, right? Yeah. We had a really, we, yeah. we were talking good about nutrition and, 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 and we started to touch upon it a little bit, but that's a rabbit hole that could be yeah, a exactly, couple hour conversation. Exactly, exactly. That's why I want to have, I want to bring everybody back and get everybody on the mic and, and, and have a conversation from all the different levels because it's not just about the hydration aspect. It's about what it does to you on so many different levels. I mean, Definitely. what these guys are doing and the structural problems people get from it. I mean, it's crazy crazy what i see happening with guys with weight cuts even carl carl does it right now and we have no problems when we were doing it wrong i mean we were like i, I think he's gonna have a five-year career because he's gonna die if he keeps trying to go to 85 it's crazy yep but we were used to cut 26 pounds i mean it's crazy crazy that's insane yeah yeah so all right we are going to uh wrap this up so you guys can get back this is brian wright this is the Hivecast. you can find me at brianwright732.com brianwright732 on instagram and Twitter, I'm on Facebook. The gym is KillerBCSA.com and also KillerBCSA on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We're on there. So check us out. You can find all the episodes of the Hivecast at thehivecast.com. And there's links to all of our sponsors and links to the guys here from Thrive so you can get some more information about it. Again, guys, thanks for coming in. Thank you. And this is the Hive. Thanks so much, bro. We are out.